Hi, this is Darren Freeman and you're listening to the Fulham Focus Podcast. Yes, a good morning, a good afternoon, or a good evening to you, however you may be listening, and wherever you may be listening. This is the Full and Focus podcast coming to you after what was quite an incredible night of football at Craven at Craven Cottage. This the whole script and the whole tone of this podcast. Let's just say it went through a couple of tweaks before we hit the record button for tonight. But before that, uh, let's just get the formality out of the way. And we first like to thank Darren Freeman for opening the show. Darren made 51 appearances for the White, scoring 10 goals. He was an influential character in the famous Mickey Adams side and was the type of player that got bums out of their riverside seats and, th- and made those of us standing in the enclosure and the terraces equally excited. After a sequences of injuries, Darren's full and career was sh- cut short as the club pushed on with no room for sentiment and now fired. Um, the structure never turned for what happened last summer, but anyway. Uh, but Freeman showed the heart to rise again and became as much a Brighton hero as he is a Fulham one. Listen to Danny Boy's Q&A with Freeman on our website, uh, www.fullandfocus.com. Mr. Freeman, we salute you. Fulham. Right, and let's start off the night by introducing our panellists for tonight. I'll go in geographical order, and assuming I, my geography lessons are correct, we'll first go to Mr Matt Dom, calling all the way from wherever it is he's living, but at least he's UK-based. Dom, a good evening to you. Good evening, mate. How are you doing? Good, good. grand. Very, very much grand after, after a result that we had, which we're about 30 seconds away from discussing, so hold on to your hats. And then from an even further afield across the North Atlantic Ocean, it's Mr. Matt Lampitt coming all the way from Kansas City. Matt, a good evening to you. Good evening. Good. How are we I have doing? no idea. Is this your first appearance on the podcast? I'm not 100% sure. This is my debut. This is what your debut time. on the podcast. Oh, what a night. What a night. To make <laughs> Getting back. We, we need to have you Getting on back. more often. Indeed. We need to have you on more often, and this is the kind of stuff we can expect. Right, in which case, let's just crack on straight into it. You can tell how excited I am. Fulham 4, Brighton 2. We'll start from the beginning, and then I'll just hand it over to you for you guys to just go mental over it, as I'm sure you've been waiting. When was our last win? Huddersfield? However long you've been waiting to hold to get this emotion out I'll, I'll hand it over to you but first Matt I want to start with you mainly because you were the one that sort of gave the um gave me the uh, idea for this when the team first came out and you saw that there were no changes from the Tottenham side which by the way I forgot what what our last game was it's been so long I've completely zoned out and got mixed up with the whole FA Cup weekend off thing but anyway an unchanged side from the side that started against Spurs. What were your initial thoughts when you saw that lineup come out? Um, well, I mean, we've been crying out a lot of the season for consistency in the lineups. Uh, so we had that. But the problem was, again, we we're at home in a game that we must win. And uh, much like Huddersfield, we, he's opted for five at the back, which. You know, you say consistency is one thing, but I'd like to have seen something a bit more attacking. Uh, I know it's Ranieri's style to sort of 
sit back a bit in the first half, try and keep it tight and then open up in the second half. But I wanted to see us go for it, go for it from the start, really. And, it, and you know, that didn't work out. And credit to him, he made the change early on, which did work out. But next game, I think we're going to have to stick to much more like the lineup that finished the game uh, tonight. Yeah, exactly. Um, we'll get on to the whole changing of the formation, changing of the personnel in a in a couple of minutes. But uh, Mr. Lampitt, same question to you. When you saw the when you saw the starting lineup and saw that it was the same starting eleven starting against Spurs, which you know did okay, held held out for you know what was a decent ish result for ninety minutes, and then just momentarily lapse of concentration uh, let Harry Wings get the winner. But starting lineup the same as it was against Spurs. Did you think that was th- that was the way to go, or do you did you think initially? Hang on, no, he's got this wrong. So I thought if we started the way we did against Spurs in the first half, I thought definitely I wanted to see the way we started in the first half, how we would do against Brighton, because you have to just think that we are going to produce possibly the same, you know, say high, same high tempo, good defensive organization. We did it against Spurs. Surely we can do it against Brighton. Unfortunately, it all fell apart and we had too many players back. We instantly retreated. As soon as we lost the ball, we go back into that shell. It wasn't how we played against Spurs. We didn't put any offensive pressure and it just ended up being our downfall. We got confused. First goal, Brian doesn't know when to step. Reem is backtracking with him. It's just complete calamity in defense, not how we played against Spurs in that first half. I was excited to see the, the same lineup, but in the end, it, it, an adjustment had to be made. And like you said, credit has to be done to who decided to make that change. Ryan, I suppose that change sort of gets us on to, because I, I, we, we had so few positives. I really want to focus on that tonight rather than negative. So I'll just brush over the negatives. A very poor start by Glenn Murray, who is who will forever until the day he retires be uh, one of our bogey, uh, be a bogey striker for us. Um, hopefully you won't have to face him too many times. Again, I don't want to get into the whole, you know, should the defence have marked him up better? We, we've had too much negativity. Let's get on to the positivity. But it did all start from when Claudio Ranieri decided to change the formation, change the personnel and bring on Tim Ream, uh, bring off Tim Ream rather, and bring on and bring on Tom Kearney. Mr. Dom, do you, again, I'm assuming you have to applaud the decision somewhat because it could, because it paid off, but were you somewhat confused or did you sort of think, hang on, you know, because it was about 25 minutes in, he made the substitution. Did you think, you know, you mentioned consistency. Do you think uh, it's a bit early to make the change now or were you saying, right, yes, that's a good idea? Yeah, well, I mean, credit to him for, for making the change. But as I said in the, the WhatsApp group, when I saw the lineup, it, this was a game I think was really crying out for Tom Kearney from the start. We know that the way Brighton play, it's sort of two solid blocks of four. They they sit back, they make it hard to break through. And lining up against them with five at the back, that, that wasn't really going to create many chances for us, I thought. And Tom Kearney, the way he plays um, you know, in the hole number 10, he can bring defenders towards him, he can... He, pass in a tight space it was really needed him to play and you know when he came on he really turned it around into our favor not so much in the first half because we, we we were quite poor for the rest of that but in the second half and he, he sort of he played a bit closer uh, to Mitro I thought and um, yeah he really pulled the strings and he has to start doesn't he next time surely yeah I agree yeah again we don't want to 
learn much too much about talking about next time because we're going to get on to Crystal Palace later on. But Matt, um, uh, Mr. Lampett, rather, this whole Matt's thing is going to get very confusing. So hopefully we don't make too many more mistakes by the end of the night. Mr. Lampett, sort of same question ish to you. There's been a lot of conflicting talks about whether or not people think, you know, Seri and Tom Kenny can play together somewhat. Did tonight sort of disprove that fact and the fact that they can play together in the same side? Or do you think it's just taking advantage of Brighton aren't exactly the aren't exactly the best side in the league? So maybe we got lucky, maybe their style of play uh, helped help facilitate the fact that Siri and Kearney played well together? Or, you know, was it a combination of the two? I think it's based on the combination of the two that they did sit back. But at the same time, what a lot of people think is when, in the past, when Siri and Kearney have played together, they've kind of played conflicting roles. But today was the first time that I actually saw Kearney be a more of a free roam. He not only went from side to side, he also went, like you said, up, up uh, like Dom said, up by Mitro, and then he came back. And instead of Sari pushing up, Chambers is the one who pushed up. So uh, it's, it's not necessarily Sari and Kearney. It's more so Kearney and Chambers that kind of changed their positions multiple times. And you saw Kearney be able to spread out the spread out the the length of the pitch, which allowed Christie to overlap. It really did look, I'm not going to say it's Silvisa's Fulham, but it did look quite similar in how we were able to dominate that defensive third of Brighton. And we just basically clogged that that middle of the pitch. Every single 50-50 ball, we won it. And, and that's a product of having sure ball handlers you know, you know, near the top of the box and in the defensive third with Sari dropping back and Chambers and Kearney playing off each other. Uh, it, overall, I think that's where is a lot different than where it's been when, when you know, for example, when Slavisa came in with the 4-2-3-1 uh, or the 4-3-3, it's because Kearney and Siri were so close to each other and they're such similar players on paper is that that's kind of where I think the confusion set in. And I was also not sure of how Kearney was going to play because, again, he ended up on that right-hand side and, you know, there's been many discussed about him being on that right-hand side. But this time he actually was able to roam to the center roam backwards, but also play closer to Mitro. So I feel like there's something different there. And I also noticed in the second half, Kearney took the armband and he definitely had a captain's performance at the end of the day. Yes, exactly. There seemed to be a little bit more leadership. The, uh, we've been we've been crying out for leadership. Some people have questioned whether or not Tom Kearney has it this year. Should we get should we go to Metro full time? Should we get bring back Kevin McDonald? Uh, he seems to be the, the you know the, the quote unquote real leader in the changing room. Rumors that he's going to be on the way out. We won't discuss that. Uh, but Mr. Dom, coming back to you, and as it seems, you seem to be the main guy on the uh, much coveted and much wanted to be into full and focus WhatsApp group. And I want to bring something back to you. I shall quote. Uh, word for word here uh, from 2126. Uh, <laughs> Mr. Lampit talked about um, uh, bringing back to Slavisa's style of football. And talking about styles of football, you said this. I wonder if this is an FU Claudio, we're playing football now moment, a la Hughes away to Stoke. Just sort of divulge a little bit more further on that. Just sort of get, get everyone, uh, everyone that's listening into the mind of what made you think about that. Because Matt, because Mr. Lampit did say there did seem to be a very, very different, you know, change in style of play. And it can't all be just be down to the manager because there's only so much he can get across. Yeah, I mean, obviously there, there's a little bit of heat of the moment in that comment. But 
if you remember back to when we did our fuse, we had a really poor start and we were struggling for a long time. And I'm, I'm pretty sure, if I'm not mistaken, it was the game away to Stoke where it really started to click. And there was talk after that that the players kind of, I think Danny Murphy was um, one who said it, that the players got together and said, you know what, these tactics aren't working for us. Uh, let's play football the way we're used to. And from that point on, things really looked up. And in that second half today, it, it wasn't Claudio Ranieri football, was it? That's what made me think about that. Because even when we went 3-2 up, I was thinking, oh, here we go. He's going to ask us to sit back like we did against Spurs. And that will be the mistake. In fact, that, that's the mistake Brighton made today. But we carried on. We we wanted the ball. We kept passing it around, the, the passing and the movement. And they, they couldn't keep up with us. And uh, yeah, I just wonder how much of that was Ranieri telling them to play like that and how much of that was, do you know what, this is our last chance if we lose this game, it's we're done for. We need to do anything to win and let's play football the way we know we, how we can. That's kind of just what my thinking was behind that, really. That's lovely. Perfect. I more, I more or less agree with every single word you say. Do you think that this now, again, I don't want to talk too much about it going forward, but just sort of elaborate on the point you just made. And I'll go over to you first, Mr. Lampitt. Do you think that this now changes the way that we approach games going forward? Do you think Claudio Ranieri now looks at it and think, right, defensive minded isn't going to, because, you know, in his uh, one of his introductory press conferences, he mentioned how, you know, I'm Italian, the first thing and the most important thing is a clean sheet. So do you think he's going to move away from a defensive style of football, five at the back, try and get the clean sheet first and move more to a more attacking style? You know, let's get let's get two goals and then similar to, you know, similar to what was happening under, under Jukanovic. We're going to concede, fine, but we're just going to outscore you for the rest of the season. Do you think that's what he's going to do? Or do you think this was just a momentary one-off uh, one off for this game, you know, spur of the moment after half-time? How do you see this going uh, going forward? I think, I think he has to build off of the momentum that's been created here. And, and that's really important because I feel like when he had us five at the back and this 3-4-3 shifting to basically a 5-3-2, and having that as the focus was a fundamental that he f probably felt like we needed because we conceded so many goals. Okay, let's slap the Band-Aid on it and say, all right, five at the back. You know, if he could, maybe he'd put six. But regardless, he puts in five, and now the fundamental is, okay, we're a defensive-minded team. This is what we're going to do. The reality of it is it actually allowed us to sit back more and absorb, you know, even more goals and more um, you know, terrible types of goals coming from, you know, corners or crosses from the opposite side and scoring from the other side. So I feel like he has to build off of this momentum and, and something we need to do as a team is, you know, we've got fantastic players on paper that a lot of people say we do, and we have to let them get creative. And I think Dom does make a good point about, you know, we basically played our football and, you know, who knows if it was down to the coach or not, or, you know, if that's Renieri's new style, but, you know, he is the tinker man. But I feel like this is something that we have to keep pushing forward. The more we have possession, I think we had like 60% possession or, or 50, something like that. And we had 20, 24 shots total and 15 on target. Th that alone is something we haven't reached in quite a long time. Um, and, and that's something 
you know, even when we're chasing matches, we don't have that many shots somehow. And and having that many shots on target, usually that's that's more 15 shots on target is more than we get as a total. So we have to build off of that. We have to keep getting men into the box. And we can't do what we did in the first half where we're just dropping as soon as we lose the ball. Or and we don't know who's going to step and who's going to, you know, take the man in cover. I feel like this is the time where, like I said, we have to build off of this momentum. We go to a 4-3-3, 4-2-3-1, something. No more. I'm, I'm, I think there's the death of the 5-3-2, the 3-4-3 shift. Um, I, I feel like it's just now time to move on, and let's just get more goals. That's all I can say. Indeed, and speaking of goals, you you brilliantly moved on to what was what my next point was going to be, and that's been the outstanding contribution you know, all season, but particularly tonight. You know, we're talking about players, uh, Claudio Ranieri again gave in his press conference, you know, players who want to fight. Uh, we've all said that we want players who want to fight, show a bit of effort. You know, we don't mind if we lose as long as you, you can see you putting the effort in. And I think we need to sort of dedicate the next five minutes or however long it's going to take, just dedicate the next couple of minutes to Alexander Mitrovic, who played outstanding tonight. In a game, in a game like this and in a situation like this, he is exactly the sort of man you want and it's been something we've been you know screaming we've been screaming out for and we probably haven't had all that much and that's put the ball in the box let him win the header and you know we need to give credit joe briar particularly for the for the second one fantastically perfectly placed ball it's what we had we had it last year balls being flown into the box mitrovich the battle win the header win and get the goal it's and it's been something that we haven't really seen all that much this season uh mr dom again just give me you just you give me your love for mitrovic because as much as every you know everyone seems to you know want to praise mitrovic there, there will be praise for many players tonight but mitrovic i think is was pretty standout for for the team tonight yeah uh, you know what it's been <laughs> we all know it's been a pretty tough season so far but I think we can agree the the real highlights have all revolved around Mitrovic absolutely loving the time at the club and the last few games you've seen on the pitch he's, things haven't been going his way and he's, his head's gone down a little bit but tonight that second half was absolutely dominant I mean he he made Lewis Dunk look average and Lewis Dunk is far from an average defender but do you know what it was he he had that extra few percent of commitment to win those headers and that's sometimes all it takes he was his his um his first goal i think it was in particular um where there was fists and heads flying everywhere but he made that his and that that's what he brings to the team as you say there's crosses coming into him i think it's been a long time since we had quite so many crosses i think and um it sort of it reminded me of um last season when we had matt target and Joe Bryan in the second half, he he sort of he didn't get to the byline quite so much, and his crosses were coming in a bit deeper. And that sort of hanging ball is what Mitrovic really thrives on. So yeah, it was just a wonderful performance. And what better than you know seeing how much Glenn Murray was loving life in the first half, and for it to completely turn around, and for it to be Mitro the one at the end who was uh, you know lapping up the applause from the crowd. It was just it was just amazing, and one of the Absolutely, one of the best uh, half of the season, I think. Yeah, Mr. Lampier, your your turn now for the uh, Mitrovic appreciation hour. Just just give me all you got. Absolutely, I, I, he's main of the match, and he had two goals, and he could have had an assist with Siri hitting the post there. 
you know, it's exactly what we wanted from him at Spurs against Spurs because he was not isolated in this match. Babel definitely played off him, but Mitro held off Dunk and he stayed more central in where he was holding him off and able to find passes backwards. I think that's another benefit to having that extra man in, in the midfield and that center midfield. And, and that's something that Mitrovic thrives on because little passes into him where he can get his, you know, get his feet on the ball. And then the goals, I mean, you know, the first goal, like Dom said, was just all effort. No, that ball was just hanging in the air. Anybody, the keeper could have gotten it. Dunk could have gotten it, but Mitro comes out of nowhere and, you know, barrels over all of them and scores. And then the second goal from Brian finally, you know, just sending in a really nice you know, cross that Mitro had to generate all that power. Um, and then, of course, Mitro had more chances. He had the chance um, where he was one-on-one with the keeper, couldn't find it and, and managed, uh, I think it was Dunk or somebody who uh, deflected the ball off of him and he almost scored a little looper, could have you know, just sealed the win. You know, I could hear that Ranieri probably wanted us to go to the corner flag at the 87th minute, but we still try to pile it on going through Mitro. And it just was unrelentless pressure. Uh, and at the end of the day, that's that's what we want. And we don't want him isolated, but we want him to, to put in individual performances like that. And this was exactly the match he needed and we all need it. Indeed. And one final, uh, well, one, not one final. We want to keep, I want to keep talking about this as long as we can, because we never know how much, you know, how many more of these positive nights or afternoons or mornings, however you're listening, uh, we may get. So I just want to take, uh, the turning point of this season and someone who's probably put in a very good shout for, you know, along with Alexander Mitrovic, uh, a big, a big shout for player of the season. That's Callum Chambers. Um, we've, talked a lot or there's been a lot of talk you know with Alfie Mawson his injury uh how long that's going to keep that's going to keep him out for but I think it's pretty much fair to say that Callum Chambers is not going to be going back to going back to centre back any anytime soon and again I again I just a lot I give a lot of credit to Callum Chambers for you know you're you know you talk about the, what's the you know the, the ideal time to score, and that's right after and that right after right after the halftime whistle, right before the halftime whistle, but right after works works just as well. Do we see him maybe even playing even further afield rather than defensive midfield? You know, if we're going to have to talk about a change of formation, do we see him pushing further up the field, or do we want to see him more in that defensive midfield role, just in front of the back four, rarely venturing forward? Because he's shown that he can get on the score sheet a couple of times this season. Uh, Mr. Tom, over to you first. Uh, no, I, I think predominantly he needs to stay back. Um, we saw today, and I think um, you know. Matt Lampitt mentioned it earlier. There's there's an understanding that's happening between him and Seri, and they both seem to know when to go forward and when to stay back. And Seri is the one who, you know, gets forward and links up the play more than Chambers. But we've seen it earlier in the season as well. Chambers has got a bit of a shot on him, and there's been a couple of occasions where he's nearly scored. And yeah, he's he's very dangerous, predominantly being a defensive midfielder, but with a bit of license to get forward when he thinks the time is right, he, he's a real threat. And, you know, I've, I've criticized his passing before. I think that's something that's a bit lacking from his game. He sort of, he panics a bit and overhits his passes and he tends not to be able to find his man. But I think actually he deserves a lot of credit for his passing today because um, along with Seri, he really kept things ticking over. Um, so I, I think keep him mainly defensive because he, he also, he's, he's really good at getting in the way of the ball and, that is something we we really lacked, especially when um, when we had Slavisa in charge. I think 
you know, get him, get him in the way properly defensive, but with a bit of a license to get forward, something like um, Dick Natuhu, I think, you know, there's, there's some similarities there. Yeah, absolutely. Matt, uh, Mr. Lampitt, say, same question to you. Where do you see uh, Callum Chambers fitting into the into the grand scheme of things going forward? Or do you or do you just see it being carry on you know, carry on business as, as as it is? Yeah, I think I think I, I definitely agree with Don because he, he is that kind of holding midfielder um who does have license to go forward, but he the good thing about Chambers is that he knows when to to go forward and, and when to stay back. And, and like uh, like Dom said, it's based on where Siri is because Siri also likes to drop back as well. He, uh, you know, he's definitely grown into that role to be more aggressive than he's ever been compared to where he was at Ligue 1. But he's he's definitely got uh, they've they've got that understanding. And when Chambers goes forward, Siri cuts in, uh, tucks in middle and and drops back. But then and then Kearney can also go wider. Uh, the nice thing about Chambers is that he's great, as we saw in the goal at the top of the box and, and having a shot on him. This was the perfect night to hit low shots. And of course, he scores a half volley. You know, I don't know how high. I don't think it was upper 90, but it was brilliant strike. And and that's what we've been wanting all season. I've personally wanted our more midfielders to score, uh, our center midfielders to score. Because if you look throughout the league, there's a lot of center midfielders who have goals. And I think we only have Siri, who's only the only center midfielder that has a goal for us uh, up to this match. And it's important that Chambers has had multiple chances. Like Dom said, uh, Chelsea comes to mind as probably the biggest one. And then, of course, Burnley with the header off the crossbar. It was bound to happen. And right when I, you know, I texted on the WhatsApp group, as soon as he scored, I said, finally, because that was something we desperately needed from Chambers to see that he can score goals. And this is hopefully the start of, of something pretty special. Indeed, right. And before we sort of move on to uh, move on to the quiz and all the other relevant parts of the podcast, I'm just going to throw it open to you. Is there any further points that you know either of you want to make? Any uh, particular shout outs you want to give to any any players, or maybe you want to uh, go negative and talk about the two goals we conceded? I'll just throw it open to you. Any further points? Just go just go ahead and make them, uh, Mr. Dom. Over to you first. Yeah, just I think um, Sergio Rico. Gets to get a lot of credit for tonight. Um, I know on the last pod I was on, we had started to question whether um, we 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 all agreed. I think that he's still our best keeper, but could he be doing more? And I think for both the goals, there's not anything he could do. But um, before we went three two up, he made or was it when when it was three two? I can't remember. But he made a superb save uh, to stop Glenn Murray getting his hat trick. And there are a few uh, later on as well, a few kind of big claims in the box. That's something I, I, I've questioned him for in the past, but he, he really made himself known tonight and uh, he deserves a lot of credit for that. Yes, absolutely. I, I figured Sergio Rico wouldn't be too far, wouldn't be too far away from a mention on here. I think you know, the whole the whole team did incredibly well. We're just trying to pick a few standout moments, but uh, whoever's going to get them out of the match uh, award, so that's going to be that's going to be a hell of a one to a hell of a one to pick. Uh, Mr. Lampier, final points, sort of over to you. Do you have any further points or any issues you want to? Uh, raise about the game tonight yes the the one that stood out to me even though his touches were at times you know not great and and sometimes his passes but we've criticized him before but cyrus christie's crosses were pretty pretty well sent in today um of course you know the conditions work for any any kind of right back sending in low crosses but he sent in some really good ones that some players definitely got on the end of him and and he showed he was he wasn't as bullied on on that far side uh, you know as he's been but on top of that he's gotten up the pitch so much higher 
especially in the second half, uh, it has to be commended, you know, that he, he was just a, that significant outlet for us and, and definitely just created some danger opportunities, just possession opportunities. But that's definitely one for Chrissy. And another one, of course, is is Vieto. I mean, scoring his first goal, finally, you know, you can see how much that meant to him. He was just a pest all over the pitch, for, for lack of a better word. He was everywhere connecting and I think just just hassling players and sure touches. Uh, he didn't look like the Vieto of Oldham uh, against the, against Oldham and, and the FA Cup, but he was just everywhere. And he had that shot and that was that quarter, and then that allowed Chambers to score. And then, of course, his goal was off of um, it was it was before where he had a sliced half volley uh, that then set up Siri to hit the post. You know, and it's just how funny it happened. And then, of course, he scores that header off of Bobble's um, slight strike and and just a open header downwards and just perfect and like I said you can see the relief on his face and so you know those two players they they needed this kind of momentum and they, they needed you know a, a good match like this um, for their own confidence and you know and I, I have to definitely appreciate that and hopefully that continues going forward and Vieto's a fantastic sub going forward and you know hopefully he can get some more goals for us we need him. Right, and that just about wraps up our thoughts for the Brighton review. Now it's time to look forward and go to the quiz. Fulham. And welcome back. And it's time for what is usually the best part of the podcast, but since we're coming off the back of the win, it may be the second best part of the podcast. And that is the quiz, where we put our two Fulham experts up. Um, up against each other to see if they can beat each other at better footballing knowledge and Fulham. And I'm just going to keep it on that. You know what? I'm in such a good mood tonight. I don't want to do that again. Let's just go with that as it is. As it is. Right, round one. And for those of you who've watched League of Their Own, you may know what this round is. So I'll just give, I'll just, but I'll, for those who haven't, I'll just give a brief outline. Basically, there's going to be, you're going to be asked to put these in three, these, these answers in, uh, in an order. So of one, two and three. Uh, you get three points if you get all three right, two points if you get two, and then you can't get with just one because you look at the other, so on and so forth. Anyway, so it's either three, two, or zero. So you can't get one. So anyway, um, uh, right. So we're going to go for how many categories do we have here? We have five. And by the way, as always, any complaints over this, send them Danny's way. I'm just asking the questions. He came up with them. So any issues, blame him. Right. So Mr. Lampert, you'll be going first on this. So according to soccer base and Danny boys counting, he's specifically written that down. So specifically blame him, which club has had the most managers in their history. And with a note, having the same manager more than once only counts as one person. So if a club, if a manager's gone, come back. So it's still only one. So it's different people rather than managerial stint. So because it's we've just played Brighton and we're coming up against Crystal Palace, uh, we're, it's going to be out of those three. So between Crystal Palace, Fulham and Brighton, who do you think, and I want you to put them in order, who's had the most managers in their history? Mr. Lampett, to you. Okay. Where are the team? Fulham and Brighton? Fulham, Brighton and Crystal Palace. In order. So one, two and three. How many? Who's got the most? Who's had the most managers? Okay, Fulham one, Crystal Palace two, Brighton three. Okay, turns out you can get one point because you have got one point. Okay. 
I knew, I knew Danny should have made this a little more. I knew he should have explained this to you a lot better, or maybe I should have listened a lot better. Right. Basically, Crystal Palace uh, come first. They have 50, they've had 52 managers. Why me? Men being managers. Fulham have had 42, and Brighton have had 39. So out of that, Mr. Lampard, you get one point. Right. I'm on the board. Tom, you're on the board. Exactly. You're in the lead. Let's hope we can keep hold of it better than Brighton did. Right, Mr. Dom, you get question two. Um, yeah, you get question two. So which fixture has been played the most? Fulham versus Palace, Fulham versus Brighton, or Brighton versus Palace? Which fixture has been played the most? Oh, I'm assuming uh, this is all competitions. Yeah, Danny I'm did the best of five, oh, so blame that's, him. That's tough. I'm going to put Brighton Palace last. Uh... Fulham Brighton first, Fulham Palace second. So hang on, so say that again. So Brighton so, Palace last. Yeah, I should have probably done in order, shouldn't I? Yeah, should uh, so give Fulham it to me the order you want to have. Fulham, Fulham Brighton, Brighton Fulham Palace, and Palace Brighton. I'm afraid you get zero out of oh, that because no, Brighton versus Palace has taken place the most. And they've played 100 times. Fulham versus Brighton has been played 50 times and Fulham versus Palace has been played 44 times. So you get zero answers. You get zero points. Jeez, that wasn't even close. It wasn't. But you anyway. Charity Matt. points, Dom. Say again? Oh, look at that. There's some charity <laughs> for me. I appreciate charity it. <laughs> Dom, trust me, you do not want to give charity points. This is a very this is a very uh, fiery and, uh, and uh, feisty. Feisty, that's the one I was looking for. Right, so Mr. Lampier, back to you now for question three. Which club has signed the most non-English players? So out of the three, who's signed the most non-English players? Okay. Uh, one Fulham, two Brighton, three Crystal Palace. So Fulham first, Brighton second, Palace third. You get one point for that because Fulham have come first. Oh. They side they have signed two hundred ninety-one for non-English players. Palace have signed two hundred sixty-seven, and Brighton have scored two hundred thirty. Oh, so you get one point for Fulham. You got Fulham first. You get the point. All right. so Fulham first. Keep it there. Do you get that? Right, Matt Dom. Over to you now for question four. Who has had the most bookings in the Premier League this season? Now, this is before tonight's game. The before tonight's game. Who has had the most bookings in the Premier League this season? Same three. Fulham, uh, Palace. Uh, oh, man. Um, Glenn Murray gets booked all the time, doesn't he? I think um, they're a bit filthy, Brighton. So I'm going to put them first. Um, I'm going to put our second and Palace third. Okay, out of that, you have got one point because we have had the most uh, 39 yellow cards. Brighton have had 37 yellow cards and three reds. And Palace have also had 37 yellow cards, but only one red. So in Danny's <laughs> mind, that puts them ahead. So so it's Fulham first with 39. Brighton 37, then tied with Palace 37. So out of that. 39, 37, 37. Yeah, exactly. But the way Danny's written it, because Palace have had, because Brighton have had uh, two more red cards, they come second, work it out. 
and as as always, blame him. Right, <laughs> round number two is the guess the is the back and forth round. So you get five guesses each, and seeing as this is the end of the transfer deadline window, either tonight, tomorrow, yesterday, last week, depending on how you're listening to this, we're going to be going through the top ten Fulham transfer fees paid. So the top, because we had a couple of weeks ago, we had the top transfer fees received. So now we're going to go through top transfer fees paid. Um, so, Mr. Lampett, you shall go first. So it's, right. you've got the top 10 and you get five guesses each. So, Mr. Lampett, record most expensive signings, top 10. Go. Who's your first guess? Uh, I think we, sir. Like. Oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. You you get that back. Sorry, this was uh, before the summer of 2018. Oh, so forget Anguissa, forget so Sorry, I should forget Mitrovic. Sorry, I should have made that clear. This is before the summer of 2018. So Matt, you get you get to go again. Sorry, I should have made it clear. My bad. No problem. Uh, okay, let me think. I th- I think uh, okay, Sari is one. And before the summer of 2018. Oh, 2018. Uh, sorry, sorry. Okay. Um, Mitroglu, I think is one. is his first guess. Okay. Yes. So guess number one. And you are bang on correct because he is our most expensive coming in at ah. 12.4 million. <laughs> so Matt, Mr. Right. Lampitt gets one point for that. Now over to you, Mr. Dom. Um... Let's go for Brian Ruiz. Brian Ruiz is his guess, and he gets a point because he comes in at number four, coming in at ten point six million pounds. So, uh, Mr. Lampitt, back to you. You got another guess. Uh, Van der Sar. Edwin Van der Sar. A good one, a very good one, because you've also got a point. He comes in number seven at seven million, coincidentally. Ooh. Ooh. So, Mr. Don, back to you. Guess number two for you. Uh, Ross McCormack. Ross McCormack, a very safe one, because he comes in at number three, coming in at 11 million. Right, Mr. Lampett, over to you for number for guess number three. Uh, French guy. Uh... Marley, Stephen Marley. Steve Marley comes in at number two, so a point for Ooh. you. That wasn't meant to rhyme. Don't give me any games. <laughs> any get any? What a brilliant game show host he is. That was a guess. That was random. Right, uh, Mr. Dom, over to you for your third guess. Uh, AJ. Andy Johnson. That's a good one because he comes in at number five for ten point five million. So Steve Marley was 11.5 million. Anyway, right. Number four. You're winning through these very well, guys. So, uh, Mr. Lampin, number four. Guest for you. Has to be... Has to be Rui. Rui Font. Nine mil, right? Rui Font. Oh, good shout. Yeah? Uh, you get the point. You don't get it. Thankfully, you don't get it for the transfer fee because he, uh, he's down here as 8.2 million. Oh. But, you get, but you get the point. That's all that matters. You named him. That's all that matters. All right. Right. Mr. Dom, fourth guess oh, for you. Boy, I'm struggling now. Um, okay. Uh, I'm trying to think of flop strikers. I think we've been through them all. There's been a lot of them. You're going <laughs> to be here a while. <laughs> um... 
But I could give you a heads up. Bjorn Rundstrom is not on the list. I can give you that right now. <laughs> okay. Um, no, I'm, I'm really struggling. Uh, I'm going to have to go for... Even though I don't think we paid a fee for him, Kacaniklic. Alexander Kacaniklic is incorrect, I'm afraid, because I think he came in... I think we basically, I think we got him for free. Yeah, I think he was part of Koncheski, wasn't he? Yeah, it was Koncheski for Kachaniklic, Laurie Delavale. There was a player I really liked, and money. So anyway, so so anyway, Alexander Kachaniklic does not get a point. So, Mr. Lampard, your final guess. Hmm. You've got three available to work with. You've got three. (sighs) I'm trying to think of forward flops as well. Uh... How about um yeah, I played with with uh with, with Dempsey and AJ. Uh Diamante Camara. Diamante Camara is on the list. He comes in number eight with a cost yeah, of six million. So show. Mr. Don, you get the very last guess. Uh, oh, very last man. guess on this list. Um it's another guess. I've got no idea if we even paid a fee for him. Um, but Papa Diop. Papa Diop is unfortunately not on the list. Ah, I shall run you through. I shall run you through the top ten. Uh, Constantinos Mitroglou comes in number one. C Marley two. Ross McCormack, Brian Ruiz, Andy Johnson, Rui Font, Edwin Van der Sar, Diamante Kamara. So you got the top eight between the Ooh. between the two of you. You got the top eight coming in at number nine at a fee of five point four million was Abubakar Kamara. Oh, oh no way. I know when I looked at when I looked at this earlier, I was a little bit shocked at how high he how high up the list he was. And then coming in at a joint ten, so really you had you had eleven guesses, but for the sake of logistics, and I can't be bothered to go back and change it. You had ten. Um, Steed Malbronk came in at five million, ten, and also Musa Dembele. I'm assuming the first Musa Dembele also coming in at five million pounds. Uh, so as we head into the final round, the guess the player round. Uh, Mr. Lampitt is on seven points, and Mr. Dom is on four points. So, oh, so Mr. Dom, you've Dom. played this round before. You know how it works. So you've got to go hard, and you've got to go early. Guess first you question. Get, if you've got to get a win out of this. So <laughs> round three is my favorite. It's guess the player. And we're going to uh, sort of change things up a bit because me and the other host, J-Mac, have been somewhat inconsistent with our scoring procedure. So we're going to have a set one from here on out. Basically, if you get it within the first two, you get five points. Uh, within uh, answers three and four, or clues three and four, you get four points. Five and six, you get three. Seven and eight, you get two. Nine and ten, you get one. That's how it is going forward. Hopefully, J-Mac sticks to it because I'm going to as well for fear of Rafa Ross. Um, yeah, for fear of the wrath of our boss Danny coming down upon me. Right, so and this makes it easier because you because you've got two different accents, so I don't have to pay that much attention to who's screaming out first. Right, so fact number one is we go for guess the player. Fact number one: he is six foot tall. Okay, number two: he made one hundred and fifty-two appearances for Fulham, and only four of those were from the bench, so not starts. 152 appearances, only four of those were not starts. Okay, number three. He never scored any goals. 
Number four, he played three games during the John Tigana promotion season. Uh, oh, no. You want to make a guess? This is I'm crucial. Gonna have to, aren't I? Um... Well, you don't have to. You can you can play for it. You can play for a draw if you go for five and six. Yeah, I'm gonna have to wait. I don't know. You're gonna have to wait. Okay, then fair enough. So, fact number five: he was capped twice by France in the 1990s. That's uh, stop. He's got to be Alan Goma, right? He's going for a guess of Alan Goma. Alan Goma is his guess. Okay then. I shall make a note of whether you're right or not and come back to that later. Okay, we move on though, just in case for those who for those of you who are listening at home who might not get the answer. Number six, he was bought for four million pounds in March. Doesn't give a year, four million pounds in March before transfers were restructured into Windows. This is back mm. in the time when you could basically sign anyone at any time. Back in the glory days. Number six, okay. So number seven, he retired in 2006 when we couldn't agree a new deal for, for him with the club. Okay, number eight, he has played, also played for Auxerre, PSG and Newcastle United. Fact number nine, he is a centre-back. And fact number 10, Breda Hangland, Aaron Hughes and Zat Knight are the only centre-backs to play more games for Fulham in the Premier League. Mr Lampard, would you like to cater a guess as well? I'm drawing a blank. I got nobody. Mr. Lamp- Mr Lampard draws a blank. Yeah. So no answer for him. So the answer is indeed Alan Goma. So out oh. of that, Mr Dom gets three points because he answered it on number five, I believe it was. So that means the end of the quiz, we have a draw at seven all. <laughs> so wow. Mr. Lampard, sort of, As an American, sort of you were right with that, right? Early but anyway, a very, a very good, a very good effort, Mr. Lampard, coming out. We usually give out a uh, somewhat no- novelty gift after all this, but in such a good mood, I'm not, I'm not in the mood. Everyone get, everyone gets everything. Every. You know, who, who? I don't want to deprive anyone of not getting a gift when we have the gift of three points. So anyway, no one gets a gift, no one gets anything. We three points. Three points is the gift for everyone, yeah, right? Yeah. And let's keep this I'll positive and going. Any prize for that? <laughs> swap any prize, indeed. Especially the ones that we give away on this show. Exactly. We probably need to. That, that needs to be the motto going forward. No more prizes when we win. Maybe that. Maybe that will. Uh, Encourages the team to get more wins. But anyway, we've got one more thing left to do, and that's preview the Palace game, and that's coming up right now. Fulham. And welcome back. And it is time for us to preview our game against the team from the other end of the M23 in Crystal Palace. Um, I don't suppose there's really much to talk about because there's gonna we're gonna get all the cliches from i'm assuming from you two here discussing it and everyone on twitter it's basically going to be keep the same 11 that finish the game against brighton against crystal palace and just play with the same mentality am i right am i right in thinking that's all we really need to all we really need to discuss in terms of a preview mr dom you first uh yep yeah, exactly. We can we can we can we can breeze through all this unless Mr. Lampard has any changes that he that he wishes no, to make. I agree. Same. 
exactly. So same mentality. Uh, let's let, let's not keep the, let's not keep the listeners for any um, sort of thing. It, it is more or less the same, you know. Unless there's some major, you know, Alfie Mawson makes some disastrous, not a disastrous, miraculous recovery from injury and maybe gets his place back. Um, I suppose really the only thing left to do is we are talking about this, and we mentioned earlier a couple of days before the end of the transfer deadline. So I suppose that's really where we should focus our previewing on. I think we're all going to focus much on the Crystal Palace game. Uh, do, do you see us making any signings before the transfer window is, is is done? Tony Khan has promised that he was looking at and, you know, making multiple signings. And at the moment, he's only come out with the one. And that's Ryan Babble, you know, on the six-month loan or buying for six months. I've forgotten what the particulars of it are don't really care at this point because we won so if we're to believe what tony khan said that there will be multiple signings then that does give the indication that we should expect some business on transfer deadline day mr dom do you do you expect anything on deadline day or do you think that maybe this result is going this result against brighton is going to be more so long as we can keep that going we don't really need anything to spoil the broth. We've got a settled team now. We don't need to go out and buy anyone unless Cristiano Ronaldo is going to suddenly say, yeah, I fancy playing six months by the river sort of thing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think, I think the results made it a little bit tricky in that respect. Um, because had we lost tonight, I think we've, I've said it before, but I think we would have had to definitely go down the route of, get in some championship players who will give us a chance and will fight for everything, but probably more likely will be happy to stay with us next year to get us back up. I'm wondering now the win, because it's moved us in Newcastle one, obviously, which doesn't help, but it has moved us slightly closer to safety. And I just wonder if, while there is still that, that shred of hope to cling on to that they, they might look to bring in some more, short-term deals and i'm not saying that's necessarily the right thing to do but i'm wondering if on deadline day um because we know how many points we're going to be on now um on deadline day we might bring in some uh similar to kind of ryan babble type deal but we certainly i think i don't think we should take the win as the fact we don't need to improve the squad anymore because we're still really bad at the back in that first half today showed that so i think we need if nothing else, a big commanding centre-back to come in. Interesting enough, we've been linked with Scott Dan recently, haven't we? Um, and who has had a long injury and has fallen out of favour at Palace now because they've got to uh, settle, settle defence. Um, I think he would probably improve us, so I'll be happy to go for that. But yeah, it's, it's tricky. I mean, do we do we roll the dice and spend again and potentially go down and find ourselves in trouble? Or do we do we play it a bit more cautiously? Yeah, in fact, you know, you've more or less um, set the answer. You know, asked asked the question that I was gonna that I was gonna ask. In that, you know, how does this change our how does this win a change our approach in the transfer market? Do we now go for someone who's going to you know, players who are going to keep us in the league, or do we still maybe you know not concede anything, but do we look more towards? the type of player that's going to help us in the in the championship should if when whatever uh, we go down you know does uh, mr lampit does that result affect how, affect your views on the transfer market or 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 do your views 
remain the same? Are we should we expect any signings or will we make any signings um in the next coming two days? It's it's tough because the result does skew a little bit, but I, I've never thought about going back to the championship. You know, I, I know that that narrative is, is definitely a strong one when you look at the table and you, you look, of, of course, even looking at our first half performance, right? Everybody's thinking it, myself included. But realistically, I I, I feel like we're going to get out of this. But um, there there is there is something always in the, in the back of your mind. That, you know, it's just how it is. But I don't think I think if we sign somebody for the championship, that's just signaling, you know, that, that that's where we believe we're going to go. And and it definitely felt like that in the first half of today's match. But I feel like we, we still need a quality center back, um, quality right back, perhaps, although I felt like Christy played well. But, you know, my focus is on where I look at, at, our, at our team, our lineup, and I see where our weaknesses are. It, it is the back line in the sense of we, we don't have a very physical presence in that main center back role since Mawson's been injured. And I th- feel like that's something that has to be addressed immediately. As much as I'm a big fan of Adoy's athleticism and speed, you know, I feel like he, he got outmatched quite a bit uh, against Glenn Murray, um, as anybody does, but, you know, let alone against Glenn Murray. And I feel like we just need that size. We need a formidable player if it's got to be from Liga or Syria or, or somebody who, who can play in, in Renieri's hopefully changing system if that's what it's going to be going forward but I, I feel like I'm going to keep it as 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 direct as possible that way I'm not I, I'm not going to think about if this then that I'm just going to think about this is the result this is what would have happened if we had a big center back um, you know to kind of anchor the anchor the defensive side there um, hopefully playing in a four back versus a five back going forward indeed so uh, so uh, the views of both mats there sort of echoing the third back so more, more or less along the same line if we are going to make any further uh, transfer signings uh, on their on deadline day or before deadline day then the only real uh, area of focus should be should be that commanding center back as you know as both men put i think that's the one area that you know We've struggled, struggled all season, and if we are to believe in Morse, you know, there's some reports that he could be out for the he could be out for the rest of the season. So, as much as we did well tonight, I, I can't see us surviving for long with a back four of Christie, Adoy, um, Le Marchand, and Joe Bryan. Fine defenders as they are, I can't see us lasting the rest of the season for him. So that's really what our, our main target has got to be and what I think is going to be. And that wraps it up for tonight. I want to thank you for listening. And as always, uh, please don't forget to go on the website for all the fantastic stuff that makes Full and Focus what it is. Uh, the excellent Q&As, the blogs, the articles. Uh, I don't know if Matt Lampitt's doing, uh, Mr. Lampitt's rather is doing one of his fantastic YouTube series um, coming up. Please tell me, are you, are you, is there one in the pipeline, Mr. Lampitt? Because they were brilliant last time. Yeah, we're definitely looking into getting those back in. Just have to, you know, kind of get the footage and everything into play. But yeah, uh, appreciate the shout on the YouTube. It's definitely, you know, something we're always looking at improving on <laughs> as Indeed. best as like. <laughs> Indeed, they were they were fantastic. That whole fourteen that. thing, that whole th- that whole fourteen thing was a brilliant idea. I'm sure there's again there's loads more blogs, articles, so on and so forth. This podcast as well. Go back and listen to past episodes if you so desire. I don't know why you would, but you never know. I just have to do it for the sake of. Uh, legalities and make sure that Danny Boy uh, keeps me 
in this hosting chair. But that's it. All that's left for all, the, all that's left for us to say is thank you very again once again. Thanks very much for listening. It's a goodbye from uh, Matt Matt Dom. Goodbye, mate. It's a goodbye from Mr. Lampin making a fantastic debut. I think it must be said. Thanks very much for having me. Have a good good night, everybody. No worries. And it's a goodbye from me. Goodbye. And please, 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 come on, you whites.